0: Doctor Who's been scaring the absolute pants off us since 1963 with some incredibly memorable and terrifying villains. And of course, when it was brought back in 2005, it made sense to bring a lot of these villains back. So, which ones didn't grow old gracefully? With that in mind, I'm Sean Ferrick for Who Culture, and here are 8 Doctor Who villains not improved in the reboot. Number 8. The Nestine Consciousness. This entry comes down to, unfortunately, the revived Doctor Who attempting to run before it could walk. The choice to render the Nestine consciousness entirely in CGI severely hampered the impact it would have on the audiences. Even the Autons themselves, while played by actress in mannequin suits, appeared less threatening by the time the Ninth Doctor encountered them. When the 3rd Doctor came face to f- Tentacle with the Nestine, the low budget of the 1970s was actually aided by the less is more storytelling. When the Doctor and Liz Shaw attempted to destroy the creature, their weapon malfunctioned and the next the audience knew, the Doctor was being wrapped up and strangled by the being. While no one is arguing that the tentacle didn't look like an art attack project, they were at least in the same room as the actors. The same cannot be said for the updated version. In Rose, the nestine hiding under London is a huge CGI mess. It was designed to resemble something like lava, though it never truly hits the mark. However, to be fair, this was the very first episode of the new series, so we won't judge them too harshly. Number seven Dalek individual. Now I I can hear the typing just bear with me, bear with me okay generally, the Daleks of the revived era have been a triumph, they've retained their imposing status while keeping their kill count in impressive numbers as well. In the first season episode named after these beasts, the audience are introduced to a lone Dalek, captured by the amoral trillionaire Henry Van Statten. Three quarters of the episode is a solid fright fest, reintroducing the race and truly showing the depths to which the Doctor has sunk in his quest to be rid of them. Then it comes to the final scene and the characterization of the creature takes a sharp left turn. Alone in the universe, the Dalek decides first that it needs to feel the sun on its chrome and then to self-destruct. It's a little baffling that the Dalek, a member of a race whose sole purpose is to purify the universe, decides to end its own existence rather than continuing its mission. The audience has seen lone Daleks before and since carry on this work, so this Dalek was definitely a bit of a blip on the radar. I await the coming of the comments like the dawn. Number 6, Emperor of the Daleks. The Emperor of the Daleks who appeared in Bad Wolf and the Parting of the Ways was, unfortunately, a bit of an underwhelming big bad to the first season. While the design is definitely impressive, there's no reason for this Dalek to be, other than for Rose and the Doctor to have something to react against. While this may seem like a harsh critique, one must think back to the Emperor's previous incarnation on screen. There are at least two Emperors at any one time. In remembrance of the Daleks, Davros is revealed to be the acting as the Emperor to an offshoot group of Daleks. While this version may not look this flashy thanks to the limited budget afforded to Doctor Who in the 80's, Davros himself has always been a far more compelling character than the creatures he created. The creature that faced the Ninth Doctor was another case of throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the screen, hoping that it would make for something fantastic. Yes, the design was awesome, and it was menacing, but no more menacing than the Daleks surrounding it. The next time that the Doctor encountered a government ship of Daleks, it was the Parliament in Asylum of the Daleks. There was no emperor to be found, suggesting that even these evil beings had realised that bigger isn't always better. Number 5. The Great Intelligence The Great Intelligence is a somewhat abstract idea, both corporeal and not, so its more frequent use during the 11th Doctor's era should have been a home run. While The Snowmen, The Bells of St. John and The Name of the Doctor are all solid episodes, The Great Intelligence truly comes across as a bit of a weakling. This is perhaps best noted in the latter episode, The Name of the Doctor. The Great Intelligence, having threatened the Doctor into getting inside his tomb, steps into his time stream to destroy the Doctor's achievements. This is undone seconds later by Clara stepping inside. Where was the foresight here? This was a bafflingly silly plan to enact. Compare this to the long game that The Great Intelligence played in the Classic era, First, it possessed the Tibetan Lama, Padmasambhava, and forced him to build a robotic yeti over hundreds of years. Then, it spun a web throughout space that forced the second Doctor of the TARDIS to land in London, where it was busy reanimating the corpses of fallen unit soldiers. The Great Intelligence has a more physical and direct threatening nature here. The idea for the GI to become Wi-Fi was incredibly interesting, yet the execution, unfortunately, didn't pay off. Number 4. The Time Lords. To be very clear, no one is about to say that Timothy Dalton wasn't spectacular as Rassilon in The End of Time Parts 1 and 2, and with the greatest of respect to Donald Sumter, this has yet to be surpassed. However, there is a simple fact that is hard to ignore in the revival of Doctor Who. These Time Lords are idiots. While they can't really be blamed for how the Time War turned out, with the Daleks taking a rather large portion of the responsibility for that one, the fact that none of them even considered freezing Gallifrey was a little bit of a red flag, then of course there was their return, which itself was stilted. Why did they decide to lock the Doctor in a confession dial rather than simply asking him about the hybrid? Then, of course, there is the fact that they were all destroyed with ease by the Master. It took a billion, billion Daleks to almost break their defences before, yet the Master does it overnight. The Time Lords of old controlled time completely, with a far better understanding of how to manipulate the Doctor into doing their bidding, the Time War itself was a fantastic narrative idea, though the Fallout didn't really do them many favours. Once again, Timothy Dalton, amazing. Number 3, The Master. Again, I can hear the keyboards. Missy is exempt from this entry, just to be clear. The Master, in the guise of Harold Saxon, was certainly a fun character for the Doctor to face off against at the end of the third season, even if the menace was far, far dwindled from his time against earlier Doctors. John Sin gives it his all as the deranged Time Lord, though his veneer has slipped into parody by the end of time. The white-haired, chips and gravy, guzzling, feral version of the Master is, frankly, ridiculous. Again, Sim does his best with what's given to him, though his efforts to bring Gallifrey back are thwarted by the interesting decision to CGI his head onto every living being on the planet. This version of the Master was slightly improved by the return in World Enough and Time in The Doctor Falls, though standing next to Missy does him no favours either. Gone are the days of the rotting husk of earlier incarnations, murderous to the point of demented glee, the less said about Eric Roberts' question the better, though Big Finish is hopefully going to turn that one around as well. Number 2. The Macra. This second Doctor villain returned to New New York in the third season episode, Gridlock. Here, they've somewhat devolved from their earlier incarnation, appearing as mindless destructive brutes that prey on hovercars that get too close to the bottom of the highway. They live on the exhaust fumes and serve no other plot to the story than to be menacing. Their appearance, rendered in CGI, is not quite as bad as the Nestine entry from earlier on this list, although it's not a million miles off it. Now, having said that, all four episodes of the Macra Terror have been lost to time, so It's not their appearance that puts them on this list, it's the fact that there is no point to them. In the Macra Terror, the colony that the Doctor, Jamie, Ben and Polly find themselves on is an Orwellian nightmare, pushing people into contentment through fear of these beasts, along with mental conditioning. These creatures are genuinely frightening, in one of early Doctor Who's most child testing stories to air before the watershed. Here, they served a point and they were menacing. They absolutely should have returned in the revival though the way they did was a very raw deal. Number one, the Zygons. This is an odd entry, as the episodes featuring the Zygons in the revival of Doctor Who are all superb. The Day of the Doctor, the Zygon Invasion, and the Zygon Inversion have all gone down as modern classics, so what lands these shape-changers on this list? Simply, it's how they were used, weakened, and eventually a bit silly. In the Day of the Doctor, they're more of a catalyst for the plot than anything else, so judging them there doesn't seem overly fair. In the Night series two-parter that features them, they are all suddenly desperate to be humanised to the point where they are no longer truly alien. Now that as a theme is no issue at all, frankly it's a big part of Doctor Who overall. However, the Zygons were a massively fun villain in the classic series. They controlled the Loch Ness Monster for crying out loud, using it to further their goals of world domination. This is a far cry from simply trying to share the planet and live alongside humans. They could have been any old alien in the revival, as opposed to a shape-changing villain who could have inspired true paranoia and